Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Level up your listening with Bose QuietComfort Ultra Earbuds and Headphones with immersive sound and world-class noise cancellation for a not-so-silent night. Visit Bose.com slash Spotify to shop sound that's more than a present. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. So today, I kind of want to pull apart the idea of making childhood magical. So one of the ways I work in a, in a broader sense, and this goes for parenting and potty training, is I, I look to the trajectory of behavior. I look at time gone by. You know, I'm not, you probably know from listening to this, this show that I am a mix of old school and new school, but I like to look back and I go like, what changed? What made things different? Because we have all kinds of modern problems that parents didn't have years ago. And of course, some of those are modern problems. We have the internet, we have too much information. But I pull this apart. I, I started doing this when I, you know, was only doing potty training because I would look back and I would say, holy crap, what changed? I'm 50. And when I was a kid, apparently I was late, horribly late in potty training, so late in potty training that my mom didn't want to leave the house with me. She was so embarrassed. You guys, I was 24 months. So in one generation, 24 months was like so late it was embarrassing. And now we have a cultural norm of like three and a half. I see people with four-year-olds who are like, eh, no worries. And I go, wow, what the hell happened? And I look back and I see, I, I, I try to pull apart what happened in that time frame. Like for potty training, it was undoubtedly disposable diapers, right? That's the thing that mucked it up. And it cracks me up and it, ooh, it pisses me up to no end that in one generation, these big diaper companies have extended their product life by two years. That's phenomenal just by mucking up potty training. So anyway, this isn't about potty training. But I, I look and see at all our kids' behavior, and there's a lot of behavior we're seeing that parents just didn't see years ago. And to be sure, we are all parenting in a different way. Like, I've literally had to tell my mom to stand down because she'll be like, well, you should do this. And I'm like, Ma, that's that's not how I parent, okay? And I know you think that it was okay, but meanwhile, my therapist has three houses on my dime. So yes, did I turn out okay? I turned out okay because I went and did my work and cleaned up that shit, not because like the parenting was so great, okay? So we have to pull apart like what happened? Why are we getting some of this crappy behavior? Why are we getting this entitled behavior? And I don't think it's all just helicopter parenting. I really don't. But when I look at parenting in general, there is for sure this whole idea of making childhood magical. And again, as a potty trainer, I realized this situation, this problem, I guess you could call it, because potty training is a 
a skill best learned at home, which means you have to stay home. I have parents contact me and they're like, you know, I can't stay home. Uh, there's no way I'm staying home with my two-year-old. None. That's what changed, you guys. Kids became a market. So ge- a generation ago, and I, I don't know, am I a generation ago? I might be two generations ago for little kids now, but we had, we weren't a market, right? There, there were no movies. I mean, we had Wizard of Oz and Sound of Music, but they came on once a year. We did not have, you know, uh, VCRs. We didn't have recorded movies. We watched Sesame Street. I think I watched Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley when I was like eight or nine, right? We did not have Gymboree. We did not have music classes. Like you took music in school maybe, but you didn't have these outside lessons. We just didn't have, we weren't marketed to, right? And I know I have a hair up my ass about Disney, right? (laughs) And I know everybody loves Disney, but I have a hair up my ass about this, like where memories are made. And I literally hear parents, I see this on social media, I see it in my community, it's like, oh, we're going to make memories at Disney. You guys, memories are made. Memories are made every day. And if you think back on the memories you have of your childhood and the best memories you have... I don't think they were the spectacular things. I don't think it was the out of the ordinary magical moments, right? I think it was the, oh, that time I was sick and my mom held me so close and we watched black and white movies all day or something like that, right? We have, we have memories of the softer moments. They, they tend to be everyday moments, right? But anyway, I'm digressing a little bit on my, uh, my Disney rant, (laughs) but we are being led by the nose. By marketing that we have to make our, ch- our children's childhood magical. And the biggest problem with making childhood magical is we miss out on a ton of the good life skill stuff. Okay. We also create a sense of entitlement and we manufacture an adult version of magic. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. This leads to non-creative play, or I should say less creative play, right? For our little guys, magic exists everywhere. Oh my God, there's magic in the rock outside your house, (laughs) Challenging their minds, but also we want to challenge their imaginations for growth. So if we hand them what we think is imaginative play, what we think is special magic, that's not good. We want to leave their minds open for growth. So you know what's magical about childhood? The magic of childhood is you don't pay bills. Someone's always there for you. You don't cook. You don't meal plan. You don't do the laundry. That's magic, right? That's magical enough, you guys. We don't have to make childhood this special thing. The childhood is training to be a capable adult. That's all. It's not this separate thing. And that's what I find is so rampant in parenting, that that childhood is this closed off activity. And I even find it in ages like three. Three is just really hard. Help me get to three and then four will be different. Each age is in a bubble, you guys. Each age is a stairway to the next age. And so I've said this throughout this whole show. If you've listened to other episodes, there's no magical age that suddenly your child knows how to do something. You can't like not make them do chores. And at six or eight, all of a sudden they know how to do chores. We build on it. It's a practice, right? And so we have to pull away. And I'm not saying childhood should be this like weird drudgery. We shouldn't go back to child labor. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be that. But we need to pull back this idea that that childhood is this bubble and we're responsible for making it 
super lovely and and wonderful. And I think what happened is our parents kind of fucked it up a little and we all ended up in therapy and we we are definitely more conscious about emotions, validation, self-esteem, these kinds of things. But it also fucked us up a little in that we think we owe our kids this like super magical childhood. We've gotten away from the true goal, which is to raise healthy, happy, competent adults, right? That are great in a community. So an interesting side note here, because uh, I find that, you know, this clumping of ages, uh, The let's talk for a minute about teenagers. And I know your kids aren't anywhere near teenagers, but I think this is very interesting. So the word teenager didn't really exist until the 1920s. And that's when cars became popular and people started owning cars as individuals and kids started to pull away from their parents, right? And they created this, this sort of divide between kids and parents. Before that, there wasn't even a term for teenager. You were called a young adult and the young adult was part of the family unit. And the young adult had, you know, very quickly was starting to take over household chores, was starting to uh, get a job, contribute to the family. They were expected to be a young adult, not this like separate, moody, effed up in your room all the time. That That's a new concept, you guys, right? And I always look to that and I go, how interesting, right? And so if t- young adults are are meant to be out in the world and actually doing adult things on, on a younger level, right? Then what is childhood? And childhood definitely is for play, but it's also for building these life skills, Yeah. And again, I'm not suggesting that your child would be like, you know, okay, get up and do your chores and do, 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 do. But life skills should be the idea here. And for the love of all that is holy, not academics in this age range. And if you don't know me by now and know that this is my huge rally cry, welcome. It's, it is. (laughs) Stop with the formal academics under the age of five. That is definitely undoubtedly not magical. So the fun thing about play and life skills is that most kids at this age love life skills, love helping in the kitchen, love dressing themselves. They love helping you and being useful around the house. Now, one of the things that happens when we separate childhood into this magical zone is that our kids don't feel part of our our direct tribe, which is our family, right? We keep them out of it. And there's an African proverb that a child will burn down the village in order to feel the warmth. And that's really potent. And I find that oftentimes when you're struggling with like huge tantrums, tantrums that might bring down the house, I think of this proverb because our children have this deep, deep, deep need to feel the love of their village. And their village is starts with the immediate family. So if your child doesn't feel part of that circle, but feels outside of that circle, they will burn down the village. They will bring down your house with their behavior, right? That's a, a trippy concept. And what I find is that we think, oh, no, 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 they don't. They're too young to do chores or they're too young to help in the kitchen or they're too young. And so we keep them separate with these engaged outside activities, making everything magical. And I know you're trying to do the right thing, but instead your child's not feeling the warmth of the house, right? Isn't that crazy when you start to think of it? It can absolutely stop crappy behavior. Life skills 
feeling this warmth, being able to do shit with his body that's not keeping up with the brain, right? And so that's the big struggle we find in in two, three, and four-year-olds is the brain is on overdrive. The brain knows how to do things before the body can actually do it. And so again, these life skills help that body to grow to the brain, right? So if you're if you're focusing on knife skills in the kitchen, of course, closely supervised. If you're focusing on getting dressed, putting a sock on a foot, yo, dude, that's skill. And you know that that takes work <laughs> to learn, right? These are all things that help build that fine and gross motor skills. These are all things that make the child feel competent. I talked about this in the last episode. Stop handing your kid fucking self-esteem. You can't hand it to them, you guys. You can't hand it to them with a million good jobs. What builds self-esteem is the child doing things for themselves. And I, I feel so passionate about that because I just can't. Parents doing everything for their kids. That doesn't, that doesn't build self-esteem. You can say good job all you want, but it doesn't build self-esteem. Now I did want to go back. Imagine if imaginative free play is so vital for this age. And I wanted to go back to that notion, right? Because earlier I said, if we are so entrenched in making childhood magical, we can manufacture an adult sense of imagination. I can guarantee you guys, no matter how old you are, 25, 30, 35, 40, you have lost the magic of childhood. You have. So your idea of magic is not your child's idea of magic. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. And so what happens is we layer our idea of what we think is magical onto our kids, right? And one of the biggest things I, I see, I use this example quite frequently, is kitchens. When we look at kitchen play sets, right? And uh, and I'm sure your child has one. The kitchen play set, you know, 10, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago was just a wooden, a wooden thing, right? Like a wooden box with maybe some painted burners on it. The fridge opened. I went to somebody's house the other day and I could not believe how jacked up kitchens have gotten. So this huge, huge chunk of plastic, totally detailed, everything beeps. The burner turns red. The kitchen was stocked with all this like fake food. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. But you know what I saw? I saw the child doing butterfly play. Do you remember that from one of the earlier episodes? The child was touching down, not going into deep play because there was no imagination. If you provide all the fake food, how can you make like, I don't know, whatever whatever we freaking made when we were at the kitchen, right? Goulash, right? And we had so much fun putting this in that and this and that. But this, the I was watching the kids play with the kitchen and they were doing butterfly play. There's nothing fun. There's no imagination. Everything is there, right? It's the difference between why we read a book or see the movie, right? When we see the movie, the movie provides the imagination for us, right? And I, oh, one of my biggest regrets, and I don't live in a whole lot of regret, is that I exposed Pascal to the Harry Potter movies before the book. And then we go and we try to read the book and we can't because 
he's already got he's already got all the characters already defined. The movie's entrenched in his brain, right? It's engraved in his brain. So he can't pull away and and get into his imagination. And that's the same thing that happens if we provide every little detail. So if we think, I don't know, if we think that that there there's a certain event or a certain activity that's super magical for our kids. It may not be. And yet your kid might be like, ooh, oh, like your kid's going to be that way with a balloon. You could probably just bring home a balloon and that would be super magical, right? <laughs> so that's what I mean by manufacturing an adult sense of imagination. So you have to be careful about that because we'll buy, we'll buy the amazing dolls that do everything, right? And at this young age, and, and don't get me wrong, that might be appropriate when your child's eight or nine, right? But I'm talking about this very young age. Let's keep it. Let's keep it basic, right? Imaginative play is so important. Boxes, sticks, feathers, pieces of fabric. If you just get yourself a couple of huge Amazon boxes, you know, the ones that a single pen came in, (laughs) and you fill it with sticks and feathers and pieces of fabric, maybe the rocks that your kid collected. Oh my God, you have so much available right there. There's a pirate ship, there's a castle, there's a house. There's so much that your child can do. And we leave them in this open play. So that's really important. Open play. And I'm not totally against merchandised products, right? But the problem is, is if you buy all the merchandise products, if you go and buy Paw Patrol stuff, your child is tends to or is going to play with the items as though he's seen the episode, right? So he, they're kind of locked in. It's that Harry Potter example. They, they know Paw Patrol from watching it. Then when they have the toys, they're going to revert to that Paw Patrol action. And yes, sometimes it can be a springboard to other action, but we want to stay away from merchandise stuff at this age. So they're just, their imaginations can be huge. And that's how we foster creativity, right? Outside, 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 outside. Get your kid outside. As much as possible, if they can be, you know, if you have a yard that's fenced in, leave them alone. Give them time to wander. Don't supervise. Don't be there every second. We get in their business and it wrecks it. I was at a social event and little little friend of mine is like two and a half and granted first grandchild. Everybody, I think the kid's probably a little speech delayed only because everybody puts words in her mouth. Everybody jumps to, hey, you want this? You want this? You want this? Kids never left alone for a minute, right? And she's just full of butterfly play. Like she can't even decide because everybody, all the grownups are sort of just wrecking her imagination. So whenever you can, like if you're in a park that's fenced in, right? And and I realize this depends on age. The older your child gets, the more space they can get to do this, right? So, you know, I'm not saying leave your 18-month-old <laughs> all alone, right? But we do want to give them time. Give them time to wander because you know what's going to be magical is the ant hole. Oh, my God. I'll never forget this. Pascal found an ant hole. And it happened to be, I don't know, it was right outside our front, our front door. I was coming in with groceries. I had a full day, but for some reason, his, uh, enchantment with this ant hole just seemed super intense and magical. So I was able to like, I was able to finagle. I didn't need to do something in the next two hours. He sat at this ant hole for two hours watching the ants come and go, come and go, come and go. And for me, it was a huge lesson, right? Because I'm as guilty of some of these things as you guys, right? Like um, I'm just a parent finding my way as well. And I I think he was about two or three. And we stayed there for hours and it was such a huge lesson. I was like, right, Jamie, pull it fucking back, man. 
Like if an ant hole can keep your kid calm and focused for two hours, you don't need half the shit in your house. You really don't. By the way, we did get an ant farm from Santa that year. <laughs> Better than a television. He sat and watched that ant farm for freaking hours. It was amazing. So yeah, so let's, you know, get outside, leave them alone. Outside free time is just about the best thing you can do. So when your child's outside, any opportunity, and I realize if you live in the city, this is harder. If you both work, this is harder. But I'm just trying to give you ideas. I can't address every single situation, but I'm giving you ideas to extrapolate whenever you can leave them alone. Now, I've talked consistently about life skills, right? Most of us drastically underestimate what our children are capable as far as life skills in the house. You know, at three years old, your child really should be able to make a basic sandwich. You can keep, you know, your lunch meat or your peanut butter and jelly, whatever available for them to make. Yeah, it it can be frustrating. The peanut butter can pull on the bread. Yeah, but they're capable. They're very capable. They should be making their own bed, even if it's just like loosely throwing the the comforter over. They can definitely help with laundry. They can help with sweeping, vacuuming. They should be getting dressed on their own. Yeah. And one of the greatest things is like handling their own liquids. And I, I've learned this from Montessori schools and my son's own preschool is like, and when you set the table, if you take a, a measuring cup, like a Pyrex, you know, like a two cup measuring cup with a handle, you can, um, pour like milk or water or juice or whatever you, whatever you kid drinks. And you can pour it in this smaller thing and let your child pour it into their smaller glasses. Oh my God. Talk about muscle control. Talk about fine motor skills. So good, right? That's, that's a lot of work trying to get liquid into a glass. You know, helping in the kitchen, and I know having a toddler in your freaking kitchen is is a pain in the ass. I totally get it. So maybe have a couple of meals where your child helps with everything and then other meals that, that they don't because you, you actually need to get dinner on the table in a reasonable amount of time. But... Cutting with a knife. Now they do sell, they sell knife sets on Amazon specifically for kids. Uh, they're not less sharp, but they have better handles, right? And so respect. This is something I give parents, even in potty training, when we want to boost up a child's autonomy, right? Because a lot of times our kids get lazy at home thinking mom will do it. Mom will clean up my toys. Mom will get me a glass of water. Mom will take me to the potty. Mom's got this, right? And so we want to boost up their autonomy and get them thinking and doing on their own. Knife use is probably one of the best things to do. You want big, big kid behavior, help your child with a big knife and it will become almost instant. Of course, I have to say this because people can be ridiculous. Supervise. You want to supervise. And big knife use is best with like, say, cooked vegetables, right? You don't want your kid hitting a raw carrot where it can slip around and get out from under them. But that is phenomenal. Again, these are about fine-tuning the fine motor skills, connecting them to the gross motor skills, figuring out this body. I keep going back to this example, but stop getting your three, trying to have your three-year-old hold a freaking pencil. Instead, teaching them how to cut vegetables, they're using the same muscles, you guys, but in a much more beneficial way, in a way that's more fun for them, right? So this like sit down, focus, use these fine motor skills that they don't even have yet. Let's develop them 
not through freaking tutors and special exercises, but through this life skills. Now, the biggest question, and I know I'm a real life mom, holy shit, right? Is like, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I know cooking with a toddler, right? Dinner is never going to be on the freaking table. The the liquid thing. Are there going to be spills? Yes. But what's better than like spilling liquid and teaching your child to clean it up, right? I know we we know this stuff, but life gets in the way. We get kind of busy. Uh, and this particularly is really hard if both parents are working. I know there's like a clusterfuck when everybody gets home and it might not be available. So just do this when you can, right? If you're both working outside the home, try it on weekends. But what I'm going to suggest is like really, really, really radical, okay? On the weekends, instead of these pre-planned activities, stay home. Stay home and spend hours making a meal. Stay home and spend hours teaching your child laundry. Do these life skills with your kid, cleaning the house, showing them how to do it. And I know like parents freak when I say this, right? You don't have to go to the pre-planned activities. You don't. You don't have to go. And you don't have to do all the things that Instagram makes you think you have to do. You could spend your weekends doing all these life skills and your child will feel the warmth of their village. You will feel calm. Your household will be brought down by decibels. It will be amazing. So I know, I know this is hard and I know it's tricky and I know you might be saying, fuck you, Jamie. I'm not doing that. I need to get out. My kid needs to be busy. I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. Give it a try. Give it a try and see how it feels. And I can almost guarantee you're going to feel better. You're going to feel like a great parent because you're nurturing this home life for your child. And you're going to see wildly different behavior from your toddler and preschooler. I promise you. All right. That's all I got to say about making life magical for your kid. Let's just, uh, let's pull it back. Let's pull it back like everything. I feel like every episode I leave you guys with like, fucking chill, man. We need to fucking chill because we're like, we're so intense about it. And kids just need less. They need less of our intensity and it will get you better behavior. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.